Hello from the Financial Times in London. I'm Malcolm Moore, and this is News in Focus, where we offer our insights into the stories that matter. Beijing has ordered government offices and public institutions like universities to remove all foreign computer equipment and software within three years. This is the latest development after months of rumbling between the US and China over technology, which has seen sanctions on Huawei and a ban on US federal dollars spent on Chinese telecom and surveillance equipment. So which tech companies will be hardest hit by this and how will it affect the global supply chain? Here with me to discuss this is our reporter in Beijing who broke the story, Yuan Yang. Yuan, how did you find this government directive? So directives like this are usually kept secret because they, of course, make the Chinese government look bad to their international trading partners. However, in this case, a brokerage firm called China Securities wrote about it in one of their reports for clients, and that report was leaked on the internet. We then spoke to a few cybersecurity firms who told us that their clients, which were government departments, had gone to them asking for help and advice on implementing the directive. And so even though in theory, these directives are not meant to come to the attention of international media in practice, because government agencies are scrambling for advice and trying to ask other industry experts what to do, they tend to leak out into the industry. So, I mean, this is a huge step in the sort of decoupling of the Chinese tech industry from the international tech industry. But how exactly is it going to unfold? How long is it going to take? The directive itself laid out a ambitious replacement plan which has a specific pace to it, which earned it the so-called 352 moniker. The idea is that in the first year, in 2020, 30% of the existing stock of computer equipment would be replaced, followed by 50% the next year and the remaining 20% in 2022. And in terms of hardware, what is the scale of this? Well, how does it look? So various investment firms have estimated based on the number of civil servants who work in government bodies and in public institutions like hospitals and schools that there are around 20 million pieces of computer equipment that would need to be replaced. And on top of that, you have to also consider the software, including the operating systems and, for example, word processing software that needs to be replaced as well. That's a really ambitious target and 20 million in three years would be a very hard ask. It's a hard ask just to find all of those computers. But in terms of the software, how reliant are Chinese computers on operating systems like Windows? And is there a domestic alternative that they can turn to? Yes. So Windows has become infamous actually across China as being the operating system of choice for government departments. And in fact, over the last decade, there were many pirated forms of Windows being used that weren't earning Microsoft any money. Microsoft tried to resolve this by offering a specific Windows government edition tailor-made for the Beijing government. And that seemed to be one way forward by saying, we can make something to your specifications and to reassure you of its security. But nowadays, that looks like it's no longer a tenable position for Microsoft in China. The cybersecurity firms we've been speaking to say that China wants to go one step further, get rid of Windows entirely, and in fact, move to domestically made operating systems, most of which are forms of Linux, which is an open source, freely available developing system, such as Kylin OS, which is one of the main domestic alternatives. And does the directive also apply to mobile phones? Are iPhones going to be outlawed? And what about Mac OS? 
Yes, Macs are not very frequently used in the government, so I doubt that Apple would take a hit on that level. It's not clear whether smartphones would be affected, partly because government departments often don't issue their employees' smartphones in the first place. And when it comes to personal use, it's not clear whether civil servants would be expected to get rid of their private iPhones that they use for non-work business. So who do we think are the US companies that will be hardest hit? When it comes to software, it's going to be Microsoft because of the existing reliance of Chinese government departments on Windows. And it's also going to lead to, I think, a very interesting conversation between Microsoft and the Chinese government as to why Microsoft's own tailor-made edition for the government may not be good enough by the standards of this order. There's also the move away from Microsoft Office and office processing software to domestic alternatives like Kingsoft Office, which creates a very similar copy of Microsoft called WPS. On top of that, you then have the hardware. So suppliers like HP for office printers and office hardware, and then Dell for computers. Although in the hardware space, Lenovo, the Chinese company that bought IBM's computer division, is already very dominant. Obviously, this applies just to government bodies. But I mean, do you think once this is completed, there will then be pressure on the private sector to try and encourage them to use more Chinese-made tech? We've already seen a huge amount of pressure on the private sector. The difference is that this directive is government-initiated and also can be implemented through government procurement. Several years ago, the banking regulator set a target for commercial banks in China to move towards domestic technology. However, it's not clear whether any action has actually been taken to make banks do so, whereas in theory, at least this directive can lead to local governments being asked to change their procurement, which can then be reflected and seen in national procurement statistics by the government. There's also more broadly a general push towards replacing foreign technology with domestic technology in critical infrastructure and in the government. And that's part of a longer term push in Chinese, which is called Anke, which stands for the Secure and Controllable Initiative. Now, China sees that as a cybersecurity issue. Its way of talking about this is through the cybersecurity law, which says that we need to be secure from potential threats of hacking or other foreign interference, and therefore we need to make sure that we've got the best gear. And the only way we can make sure of that is if we make it ourselves and we can verify it ourselves. I mean, in terms of the strategy that China has to try and boost its domestic tech supply chain and try and develop better chips, better equipment, is this directive going to have a significant impact? Is it going to create a bigger market in the long term, do you think, for Chinese companies to step into? Yes, I think this directive will create a much bigger market, especially for the Chinese software and operating system vendors, particularly if you consider that these vendors are right now in China quite small and struggling against the US-dominated operating systems and software packages. The government procurement market in China is big enough that even a change of a tenth of that market would lead to a huge boost to these small and more specialized companies. And that in turn will create this effect of starting to build what China really wants to build, which is a domestic ecosystem. Because you don't just need an operating system that's domestically made. You also need people to want to develop software for that platform that's compatible with it. If everyone's developing for the Windows platform, then you're not going to get access to the same scope of software that you would if your own operating system were dominant. And so that's going to create a larger pool of developers wanting to create software compatible with Chinese operating systems. Do you think there's a risk that you could end up with a patchwork of different operating systems and software that isn't interoperable? 
We already have the start of this problem in China where different government departments, private companies and so on are using, as you put it, a patchwork of software that's not interoperable. And the funny part of that is that when I interview or work with private companies, they tend to send me documents and formats that I would use and be able to send it on to the rest of the FT. In my conversations with the ministry that regulates the telecoms industry, they all send me files that I would never have to deal with if I had not had to deal with the specific ministry. And so there is an interoperability problem already existing. I think the government is probably willing to take that cost for the potential gain of being invulnerable from US sanctions and any effects to the US supply chain. Turning to those sanctions now, the ban on Huawei buying US components came in earlier this year and really triggered this talk of creating a sort of independence from US technology. How far has China got down that track in terms of chip development and software development, other sort of tech development? It's difficult to measure how far along China is today versus roughly, say, a year and a half ago when the first big sanctions hit ZTE, which is a telecoms provider before Huawei that got sanctioned and almost was killed by US sanctions. It's difficult to tell because, in fact, over the last couple of years, China's chip imports have hugely increased. So it looks like China now needs more chips than ever before from the rest of the world. That may well be because companies and the government are storing up reserves of foreign chips in advance of potential future sanctions. So it's difficult to tell from the trade data exactly what's happening in China. However, when I speak to people investing in the chip sector in China, they all say that they've seen a huge upswell in opportunities and an expansion of the domestic market for everything from domestically made chips all the way through to the companies who make equipment to manufacture chips. And that's because before those kinds of companies might not have been internationally competitive. And if you wanted to buy chips or chip equipment, you would want to buy from the Taiwanese firms and the US firms, which were the world leaders in those firms. You wouldn't take a bet on a little herd of Chinese company. Nowadays, Chinese firms are increasingly turning to other Chinese companies because they're afraid of becoming dependent on US companies that might be taken away from them. And that gives those small chip companies in China more of an opportunity to develop. And this decoupling that you're describing, how do you see it playing out over the medium to long term? Where do you think this takes us next? I think the most interesting part of this tech decoupling between China and the US is the way that it threatens to reconfigure world trade overall and what's accepted as part of world trade negotiations. And that's because right now, in the World Trade Organization's treaties, it's okay to say that you're not going to trade with a country because of national security considerations. However, that exemption was always expected to be used in a light-handed way. We've seen over the last couple of years, the US and China using national security as a justification for huge swathes of sanctions and protectionist measures in their own country. The question is, how much can countries get away with doing this before it becomes a problem for the world trading system? If you can simply say, I suspect your government of having control over these apps or these pieces of hardware without having to present any evidence at all, because that's what's been happening between the US and China. I think that in the next two years, we're going to see national security increasingly being used as a justification for stopping trade and technology. China is going to say that US-made goods or foreign-made goods overall present a threat to its cybersecurity. The US is going to probably use the same justification for Chinese-made goods. And we're also going to see potentially more sanctions being implemented by the US on specific Chinese companies. 
Thanks very much, Yuan, and thank you for listening. Don't forget, if you missed our recent episodes on the global pensions crisis, how innovative finance could help save the world's wildlife, or climate and the UK election, you can subscribe and listen on all the usual podcast platforms. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.